Good morning, brothers and sisters. I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 30. This morning, our devotional continues our study of the life of Jacob. In our story, Jacob finds himself far from home, now with two wives and 12 children. And although life has been difficult, the Lord continues to sustain Jacob and his family. Remember, God had promised Jacob in Bethel when Jacob saw God's angels ascending and descending upon him that he would be with him. That as Jacob traveled far from his homeland to Haran and then makes his journey back, God would be with him. Fourteen years have passed, then another six will pass before Jacob finds his way back to the promised land. As God calls Jacob to return to the promised land, he is met with an insufferable obstacle. His uncle Laban, who has deceived him once, then twice, and as we'll see today, yet many more times. The point of our passage this morning reminds us that God's people will be protected by the Lord. The story is meant to remind us that all those who follow the Lord will be blessed, while those who disobey will be cursed. If you remember many, many weeks ago when we studied the life of Abraham and God confirmed the covenant upon Abraham in chapter 12, God promised Abraham that all those who bless Abraham will be blessed, and all those who curse Abraham will be cursed. Well, friends, our story this morning really just demonstrates uh, through everyday life that those who confront Jacob, the one who now is the heir of the Abrahamic covenant, all those who bless Jacob, all those who are in contact with Jacob, well, they'll, they'll be blessed. They'll be prosperous. But all those who curse Jacob, all those who seek to dishonor Jacob, well, the Lord will curse. Well, this is what we see happening in the life of Jacob and Laban. Because of Jacob's presence in Haran, Laban has been tremendously blessed. And when old Uncle Laban seeks to get in Jacob's way and trick him, God meets Laban with destruction. This passage warns us and reminds us that following the Lord leads to blessing and not cursing. Something else to just consider as you've been reading the life of Jacob is how he has grown from being a trickster himself to be one who is satisfied in the Lord. We have to consider that over 20 years, this man has grown to follow the Lord. Sure, he's still going to stumble in many ways, but yet we see him growing in the grace that God has given him. This passage further reminds us that and foreshadows not only the blessings that are received in the, the promised child, Jesus Christ, but also the curse that Christ himself took upon Christ Jesus was cursed so that you and I might receive His 
inheritance. The blessed one was cursed so that the cursed, you and I, could be blessed. And so the purpose of our devotional this morning is just merely to remind us that the Lord has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. This passage is a foreshadow in the life of Israel. Remember, the first readers of this story would have been the descendants of Jacob, these these 12 tribes, these 12 children that would have children upon children, millions that are enslaved in Egypt, and God has set them free, just as their patriarch, their father, Jacob, was set free from his exile in Haran, from an unruly dictator. So the Lord delivered his people from Pharaoh. And not only from Pharaoh, but in Christ Jesus, you and I have been freed from sin and death. And God has promised us, just as He has promised Jacob, that He will get us home. Well, again, I invite you to read chapter 30 and 31 if you've not already. Again, we're going to, I'm going to make just a number of comments. Again, don't have a whole lot of time this morning to uh, get into all of the details. It's a wonderful story uh, about God's care, God's providence, God's concern, God's protection, God's prosperity of those who seek to follow Him. Well, in chapter 30, beginning in verse 25, continuing on to chapter 31, uh, we see an exchange here. Uh, We are told in verse 25 that as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away. Uh, Jacob was ready to return home. His his beloved wife, Rachel, had, had born a son finally. After so many years, she finally bore a son, Joseph. And now that he had born his his favorite son, as we'll, we'll learn in the weeks later, he's ready to return to his father, Isaac. And so he goes to Uncle Laban and he says, Uncle Laban, I'm ready to go. I have my wives. I have my children. I'm ready to go home. I don't need anything from you. Now, this is a very similar situation that we saw from Abraham. You'll be reminded when Abraham went to battle there in Salem that he said to the kings, I want nothing from you. I want it to be a witness that all that I have, all the possessions that I have in my hands are from the Lord. This is why Abraham would give a tithe to Melchizedek, uh, affirming that all all the wealth, all the prosperity that Abraham had acquired was not by the the hand of anyone other than the Lord. Jacob himself has a similar theme here in this particular text. He wants to make clear that everything that he has has been earned by the strength the Lord has given him. In other words, he wants to make clear that he has received no handout from Laban. And this makes clear in the text. He says, I want to go empty-handed. Laban presses and says, of course you need something to go along in your journey. And so Jacob goes along with it. And he says to Laban that, listen, here's what we'll do. I will take the sheep and the goats that no one wants, the spotted ones, the black goats. Uh, No one wants these. And I will take them as my wages and you have all the good ones. And the story progresses. We see Laban go along with it. 
yet with a bit of a twist. Now, you might be thinking, perhaps most of us, myself included, uh, are, are not into uh, breeding of, the, of animals, particularly sheep and goats. Uh, the story is quite clear that, that often from two white uh, sheep, you don't get a spotted one. And so what we see exchanging here in the particular text, and you might be wondering what's going on, the point of the passage is really this truth, that all that Jacob has is from the Lord. In, in other words, the situation, the circumstances are set up in such a way with Laban removing the spotted and, and speckled and mottled sheep and the black goats, that, that when, when Jacob breeds all these white sheep, that when they bear the spotted and the molted and the speckled, it is because the Lord has provided. Well, we see that, of course, in chapter 31, when Jacob uh, tells his, wife, his wives the plan uh, to, f- to leave. So in chapter 31 and verse 9, he says, Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream the goats that, uh, that mated with flocks were striped, spotted, and mottled. The point of this passage is that God is fulfilling His promise to bless Jacob and to bless those who blessed Jacob. The point of the passage is to remind us and to teach us that the covenant given to Abraham has now been given to his son. The blessings of the nation would come through Jacob and his family, just as the Lord had promised him at Bethel. And we see a partial fulfillment of that in the blessing of Laban. Having arrived in Iran and, and Haran with only his staff, Jacob becomes very rich. rich. Uh, this brief description uh, really uh, see, seeks in verse 43, uh, seeks to show us that, that everything he has is from the Lord. Friend, this morning as you're reflecting the blessings of the Lord, the prosperity that the Lord has given to Jacob, this is a reminder of, this, of, of us this morning in Christ that we have received true heavenly blessings. Friend, are you tempted to look at material possessions or perhaps other means for blessings rather than seeing the rich blessings you already have in Christ? Friend, you may be poor, maybe uneducated. Uh, you, you may not have an abundance of family or, or children. That does not mean that the Lord has not blessed you. You see, so often in our materialistic culture, we, we tend to look to material things and forget the tremendous grace that God has given us in Christ Jesus. This, of course, is what Paul taught the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, when he wrote in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, we have received great prosperity. And though we do not have abundance of riches here on earth, we, of all people, are most blessed. Friend, that should change our perspective and the way we, we think about spending our money through the way how many hours we work in the day. All of that should affect 
the truth that you and I have rich blessings, spiritual blessings, blessings that this physical world will never know. Well, our story continues from the tremendous blessings that God has given to Jacob to Jacob's flight from Haran. Now, you'll be reminded again that Jacob has been serving as a, as a slave, if you will, to Laban. First for seven years for his, his daughter Rachel, which he was tricked into marrying Leah. Then he served another seven years to, to have the right to marry Rachel. After 14 years, now six years have gone by as uh, Jacob has continued to pasture the flock of Laban and, and grown in wealth. Jacob has enough. He hears a rumor in the fields as shepherds uh, begin to share that Jacob has taken all that is from Laban. This was a lie, of course, but yet Jacob recognized his time was up. He needed to get out of town and get out quick. The story uh, it really picks up the theme that we saw last week again. Remember, the Lord had promised Jacob at Bethel that he would see him safely back to the promised land. And that's exactly what we see unfolding in this passage is the Lord's care of his servant, Jacob. As you read through the text this morning, I'm sure you were noted uh, by a number of things. First, the conversation uh, that he has with his wives, Leah and Rachel. Uh, Notice here the tremendous faith that has grown in the life of Jacob and how often he attributes uh, the tremendous wealth he has not to himself, not to his hard work, not to his own diligence, but to the Lord. Notice there in verse 6, You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. In other words, he has been persecuted. He has has been mistreated. But God did not permit him to harm me. This is a fulfillment of God's promise to him. Again, verse 9, as I read earlier, God has taken away the livestock. He, God has the one been doing that. And then he reports to his wives the dream that he had, and concluding in verse 13, as the Lord reveals himself again in a dream, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. His wives obey him and submit to that. This response by Leah and Rachel is is to remind Israel that they are to depend on the Lord alone for their needs and not others. God will provide all that they need to survive. They don't need to trust foreign powers or great wealth, even their relatives, but rather depend on the Lord. Wouldn't that be a helpful truth to, to meditate on while you are wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? Surrounded by by wealthy and strong nations, family members, distant cousins. This was to instruct Israel and remind them that they were to rely on the Lord alone. Well, as the story goes on, we are told that Jacob flees, if you will, in the cover of darkness. He, while uh, Laban was consumed and all of his servants consumed with shearing sheep, the busiest time of season Uh, for shepherds. This is when Jacob leaves and flees. 
We are told that Jacob doesn't make it very far before Laban uh, catches up with him. And in the scene between Laban and Jacob, in the disagreement here, we see Laban is foiled by Jacob's honesty. Friend, do not lose the point here this morning. We see that the trickster has been tricked by a trickster himself. But yet, Jacob is no longer dishonest as he once was when he deceived his brother and his father. But rather, Jacob himself proves to be a man who has grown to be honorable and honest. Laban had the strength in men to destroy Jacob, but as the text makes clear, God alone kept Jacob safe. As God reveals himself in a dream to Laban and says, you are not to do anything to him, good or bad. Jacob was learning to entrust himself to a God who would keep him safe. Well, of course, Laban comes on the scene quite angry with Jacob because someone has stolen his gods. Now, the narrator of the text has made clear that Jacob is unaware that his wife Rachel has stolen these gods. Now, why? A number of reasons. First, to to make clear that Jacob is not at fault, to demonstrate Jacob's honesty. But also, remember the first readers, as a foreshadow to what God would do to the Egyptian gods. As Rachel sat on these gods, it, it demonstrated that these Powerful gods that Laban worships, well, weren't all that powerful at all. The whole scene depicts their impotence and their inability to prosper Laban. Well, as Jacob makes his case before Laban, he he alone served injustice after injustice. Yet Yet he did not complain. He knew that Laban's character was one of dishonesty and trickery. And therefore he fled without telling him. Listening to the voice of the Lord over his own, Jacob defends himself, making clear that he never took advantage of Laban, although Laban had taken advantage of him at every opportunity he got. Again, this passage foreshadows the the exodus that the Israelites themselves were living through. Uh, Look there in verse 42 of chapter 31. The last sentence, God saw my affliction. This is Jacob speaking. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. This is so similar to what Moses writes in Exodus about the affliction of God's people and their harsh slavery in Egypt. Even though Jacob is right, Laban still doubles down Verse 43, we see a bit of irony here in in Laban's argument. As he says, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flock are my flocks. That is not true. He claims that all that is Jacob's is actually his. No, Jacob worked for all of those things. The price Laban set, 14 years, he served those. Six years for the flock, he served those. Laban, again, is deceptive in trying to win back what is not rightly his. And this injustice is something that Israel will face over and over and over again in the years and centuries to follow. Well, friend, as you think about this passage and this story, we see it concludes with them making a covenant, Laban and Jacob. 
<laughs> funny enough that Laban doesn't want Jacob to return to Haran. Jacob has no interest in returning there. He wants to go to the promised land. He wants to return to his father's home. But to save face, Laban makes this covenant, this agreement uh, with, with Jacob. Well, as you reflect on this passage and reflect on the revelation here of the fear of God and the greatness of God to keep Jacob safe over a 20-year period of time from beginning to end, those angels that were ascending and descending, Jacob will meet in our next passage we consider next Sunday. His journey began with angels promised to protect, and those angels saw him through. The Lord has kept his people safe. And as you consider how Jacob has grown in his faith over this 20 years in exile, how does it as a Christian remind you that, that you also are on a journey of growth? Friend, how has your trust in the Lord grown or diminished through your exile? It's been 14 weeks since we've gathered as a church. How have you grown to trust in the Lord? How in this hard and difficult season, which we are not yet out of, have you learned God will bring you safely home? How is your faith Friend, strengthened, knowing that like Jacob, the Lord has delivered you, not from physical captivity, but from the captivity to sin and death. As John 8.36 reminds us, if the Son has set you free, oh, you are free indeed. All those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Christ have been freed from the slavery of sin and death, and have been given eternal life. Brothers and sisters, rest in that truth today as you see a sovereign God who will send you home. God bless. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would guide your people, teach us who you are, that we might know you and the power of your gospel. For your glory and our eternal good in Christ's name, we pray. Amen.